answer to revival uh, is that we get out there and take the word to the world. Amen. There are two things that have got to happen. We've got to take the word to the world, and we've got to bring the world to the word. Hallelujah. Did you get that? That's what we've got to do. That's our obligation. That's our duty. And uh, so I have been doing my best to really encourage uh, each of you to find someone and teach them a Bible study. But I'm not trying to send you out ill-equipped. I want you to be uh, equipped and prepared to go out and teach a Bible study. Now, someone mentioned this to me the other night, and I told them then that it's a tremendous idea and I uh, think it is something that uh, everyone should consider. I have in time past encouraged you to do this. If for some reason you don't feel comfortable teaching a Bible study, don't feel like you're ready to teach a Bible study, here's what you do. You go to somebody in the church and you ask them, would you let me teach you a Bible study? That's right. And, and you, you, you get the feel of it, teaching someone who already knows. Now, I'm going to tell you that's, that's a good way to help yourself feel more comfortable in doing this. However, I also want you to understand that when you're teaching someone who already knows, if you mess up, they know you messed up. So, you know, it's kind of like trying to teach someone how to swim. Until you get in the water, you're just never going to figure it out. You can look at the pictures and read the books, but you're going to have to get wet to really learn how to swim. The same thing is true with teaching Bible studies. I can give you tools, and I'm trying to do that. But sometime you're going to have to get your feet wet. You're going to have to just get out there and do it. Praise God. And so we are getting ready. It's going to be different tonight because um, I'm not reading a text. I'm not uh, doing the things that we normally do on Bible study night because this is a pre-prepared uh, Bible study. But I am going to teach it to you. Um, even though some of you have been through this, there are many of you sitting here tonight that have never been through this and it's going to be good for you to hear this and I'm going to teach this tonight for the sake of everyone who has not heard it and I'm going to teach it for the sake of everyone who has heard it to remind you again of those things that should never grow old to us now we are getting ready to hand to you a copy of the Bible study before we hand them out. I have some ground rules that I will remind you of. When I hand you something to read, you don't sit and read it. You follow with me. I don't want to see you flipping through the pages and trying to figure it out because if you do, you will miss some things. Um, so just Trust me, the Lord willing and time permitting, we'll cover everything in that book. And you'll get to see it all, but we'll all see it together. Does that sound fair enough? Amen. Uh, we have 
these studies and we should have some pins sitting back there as well. If you do not have a pin, uh, we will see to it that you get a pin because you're going to be filling in the blanks as we go through this study tonight. Amen. Praise God. So you can go ahead and begin to distribute those. This is simply entitled Into His Marvelous Light. And um, while they're handing them out, again, don't read ahead. Don't look ahead. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm up here. Hallelujah. Listen to me. Um, I prepared a PowerPoint presentation last week for me to do what I'm going to do tonight. It was after I spent many, many hours preparing the PowerPoint presentation that these studies came in the mail. They have reformatted the study. I already had the PowerPoint ready based on the old format. It took me too many hours of putting it together to go back and put a new one together. Now, I will tell you the pages look different, but the blanks are all the same. So when we put a word up here to fill in the blank, it's the same word that goes on your page. Page may look a little different, but the wording is the same, and um, you shouldn't have any problem following along, all right? Praise God. Now, let me just tell you this. Before I ever teach a Bible study, when we get to the table and we sit down with our Bibles, there are a couple of things that I encourage folks to do. Number one, I encourage everyone, open your heart as we open the Bible. There may be things that you have always believed that the Bible may teach differently than what you've always heard. Don't be so stuck on your tradition that you reject truth. Always, anytime you open the Bible, open your heart and open your mind. Just make it a policy. Create a mental picture in your mind that when you pick up this book, as you open it, see yourself opening your heart, opening your mind. I want God to speak to me. And if there's something in this book I don't know, I want to know it. The second thing that I always do is I always begin with prayer. Because I am telling you that we do our part at planting the seed. But only God can make the seed germinate and grow. And so we have got to water that seed with our prayers. And so when we sit at the table, I ask them to open their hearts as we open the Bible. And then I ask them, let's pray together. And so I'm asking everyone here right now, I'm not going to read a text. We're just going to pray together, and then you can be seated, all right? Let's everybody pray right now. Let's, there are people here who need a revelation of truth. Let's pray for them that God would open truth to their hearts. Let's everybody talk to the Lord together right now. Jesus, in your name. God, I love you. I praise you. 
children understand or those who do not understand or that they might understand the truth. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And again, what you see on the wall is not exactly what you have in your hand uh, because what you have is a newer addition, but it, uh, it works out the same, all right? So as you open the study, uh, the first thing you'll see is Psalm 119, verse 130, that said, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. Um, the following Bible study was prepared. The following Bible study was prepared to explain the plan of salvation in a simple one lesson condensed form with a teacher uh, to guide discussion or by self-study. If desired, it can be divided into two parts by taking a short break between each of the two 30-minute sessions. Uh, a recommended place for break is after the section into the Gospels. But each participating student should have a copy of the study along with a Bible, preferably the King James Version, and a pen or a pencil. As each scripture is read, we ask you to become involved in it. Um, sometimes by completing a fill-in-the-blank or by responding to a question. There are additional comments and supplementary scripture references. Um, you'll see some of that as we go through this. And then additional uh, scriptures on page 14 for further in-depth study. So that when we're finished, you can take this home. And the very last page of this booklet, there are other scriptures we have not dealt with that are going to just confirm the things that we've shown you here. Um, it, it is good for you to pray the prayer that King David prayed when he said, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And so may God bless you as we travel together into his marvelous light. And that phrase is taken from 1 Peter 2 and 9. You should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, when you are walking out of a dark room um, into the sunshine, you, you know what that feeling is like? Do you, 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 you know what it's like to have been in darkness and all of a sudden the light hits you? It's, it's not always uh, a comfortable situation, is it? In fact, most of the time, if you've been in darkness for any length of time, Light not only blinds you, it's painful. It hurts. But we could all agree that walking in the light is much, much better than walking in the darkness. I don't care how familiar you are with a place. When you walk in the darkness, there's still a good chance you're going to trip on something or you're going to bump into something or you're going to hurt yourself somehow. Walking in the light is always better than walking in darkness. And so what has to happen is that our eyes have to become accustomed to the light. And as they do, then we begin to see more clearly and we can enjoy the scenery that surrounds us. Um, and so it is as we begin to look into the scriptures, sometimes the brightness of God's truth 
times in reading the scripture, I've seen things in my own life that, that I said, oh God, I, I shouldn't be doing that. And it hurt. But I was thankful for the light that God showed me to be able to see so I could make correction. You know, if, if I keep trying to walk in the darkness, I'm going to keep getting hurt. But if I could ever allow the light to shine, then I can enjoy the beauty around me. And, and so sometimes, sometimes the truth hurts us. But as our spiritual eyesight becomes adjusted, we can enjoy walking in the light. And that's what this Bible study is all about. It is, it is designed to allow you to walk in the marvelous light of the Word of God. Together, we're going to make a journey. We're going we're to take a journey into the Scriptures by imagining for a few moments that we're back in the days of Jesus and the apostles. And we're going to listen to them as they teach and as they preach the plan of salvation, telling men what to do to be saved. Now, in order to do this, we've got to be careful to rightly divide the word of truth. This is what 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us, that we must rightly divide it. You understand that with that adjective there of rightly dividing, what that implies to us is there is a wrong way to divide the Scripture. And this is why we get so many varying and different interpretations is because people wrongly divide the Scripture. And they make the scriptures mean things that they are not intended to mean. And so what we've got to do is rightly divide the word. And, and, and in order to do that, I want to show you, first of all, the three main divisions of the New Testament. And this is the order in which they appear. If you open your Bible to the New Testament, to the book of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, um, you're going to find three divisions in the New Testament. The first division is what we call the Gospels. The Gospels are all, uh, we could say, the biography of Jesus Christ. Okay, it's the life story of the man Christ Jesus. It, it, every one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, begins somewhere around the birth of Christ, and they end somewhere around his death, burial, and resurrection. Are you with me? So these four books, the first four books that you read in the New Testament, are going to talk to you about the life and times of Jesus Christ. The second division contains only one book, and that is the book of Acts. It is a book of history. This is the only book in the New Testament where we find the apostles, the close followers, the hand-chosen disciples of Jesus Christ, actually taking the message of salvation to those that are lost. We only find that in the book of Acts. And that's, that's why it's called the Acts or the Actions of the Apostles. That's why the book is titled that way. Okay? Don't know if you realize that or not, but we many times just talk about the book of Acts. But it is the Acts or the Actions of the apostles. That's what the book is. And then the third division are the epistles, which is an old English word that really means letters. And that's what you have. Beginning with the book of Romans, you, you have letters that are written to churches 
that were founded, most of them were founded in the book of Acts. And then after the church was founded, um, they wrote letters to these churches to encourage them, to strengthen them, to teach them how to continue on in their newfound faith. So are you with me? These are the three divisions of the um, New Testament. Now, we need to state this, that we believe the scriptures are divinely inspired of God. And there is no private interpretation. In fact, that is written on your study guide there. And you might want to just underline that. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. And this is the top of page 5 there in the study guide we've given you. We believe the scriptures are divinely inspired. That means God is the one who gave us these verses. These are not the opinions of man. The Bible's not the opinions of man. The Bible expresses the opinion of God and that this, the scripture is of no private interpretation. That's found in 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21. What that means is it's not left up to me and you to decide what the Bible is trying to tell us. We've got to figure out what the Bible's saying by reading and comparing it with other verses in the Bible. If God has truly inspired this book, then there is no contradiction in it. And so whatever we believe has got to agree with the rest of the scriptures. Okay? You're with me so far. All right. So, therefore, every effort has been made to present the pure word of God without adding to it or taking away from its teachings. Uh, Deuteronomy 4 and 2 gives us a warning not to do that. Don't ever take away from it or try to add to it. Just accept the Bible as it is. Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6 also encourage us to accept the Scriptures as they are. It's not our intention to in any way diminish any personal relationship you may already have with the Lord. That's not what we're here to do. We're not here to try to tear down your religion, your church, your faith. We're not interested in it. We're, in fact, we're not here to talk about religions. We're not here to talk about churches. We're here to talk about the Bible. And that's all we want to do. We just desire to share the truth as it is written. And it's only by claiming the Bible as our sole authority can any of us be confident of our salvation. If we can't trust the Bible then none of us knows how to be saved. But we must be able to put our faith in the Word of God, for it is the Word of God and not the traditions of men that are going to judge us in the end. So let us read together uh, from 2 Timothy, if you have your Bible there. Uh, this is not printed for you in the study, but in 2 Timothy, this comes after the Gospels, after Acts, just keep flipping back through the pages, through this portion we call the epistles or the letters. And this is the second letter, the, the second epistle that was written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. And here's what Paul says in your Bible. He said, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? 
What is it that's going to make us wise into salvation? It's the Holy Scriptures. Okay? And then verse 16, he says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture. All Scripture. I want you to say that. All Scripture. See, this is important. We can't just take a verse and because we don't agree with it, cut it out and throw it away. But all Scripture has been inspired by God. All right, now let's, let's begin our journey into the Word of God, especially, specifically into the New Testament and into the Gospels. It's where we're going to begin. So page 6 of your study now, into the Gospels. And we're going to be turning to several verses of Scripture here. And uh, I know that uh, if you're not real familiar with the Bible, it may take a few minutes for you to, to, to locate these passages. But this is one of the reasons why we give you a copy of this study so that you can, on your own time, take as long as you need to follow up and reread these verses and make sure that what we're telling you is the truth. We're going to begin in John chapter 1. So if you can find John chapter 1 in your Bible, uh, when you get to the New Testament, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John. John, the very first chapter, we're going to start reading with the very first verse, all right? John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now let's go down to verse 14. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, so let's look at your study guide. The Word, which was in the beginning, was God. And the Word, which was God, became flesh. And verse 14 said, We saw that Word in flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. So you know what that tells us? Jesus Christ is the living Word of God. That's why this book is so important. Do you know that this book really is just a printed picture of the man Christ Jesus? He is the Word, and the Word is Him. And the word was made flesh. Let's back up and read verses 11 through 13. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so the second blank here on your page, uh, if we believe in him and receive him, Jesus gives us the power to become the sons of God by a supernatural birth. Amen. You see that in verse 13. They were born not of blood, 
nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. They were born of God. And so we become the sons of God through a supernatural birth. Now, Jesus is going to talk more about this supernatural birth to a ruler of the Jews as you turn over just a page or two in your Bible to John chapter 3. All right? Follow with me here. We're just merely turning pages in your Bible now. So John chapter 3, and we'll read verses 1 through 8. Amen. Now, you did get the second blank, right? The sons of God. You got that. Okay. All right. Now, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot. You see that in your Bible? He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So, so look at your study guide. The Lord told Nicodemus that everyone who wanted to see or enter the kingdom of God must be born again. And he said that birth would be of water and spirit. And those are the two blanks here. You must be born of water and you must be born of spirit if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. All right? Now, we're still in John chapter 3. Let's go down to verses 16 through 21. John 3, 16. Very familiar verse of Scripture. Let's begin reading here. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Now, let's look at this. John 3.16, Jesus tells Nicodemus, that whosoever believes in him, and that's the next blank here on your study guide, whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Now let's talk about this for a minute. In, in verse 5, Jesus said the only way to have eternal life, you've got to be born of the water and the Spirit. 
And then just a few verses later, he said, if you want to have eternal life, you've got to believe. Now, did Jesus change his mind between verse 5 and verse 16? No, we don't think Jesus changed his mind. Jesus is still talking. He doesn't, he doesn't tell Nicodemus two separate things that he's got to do. You've got to be born again. Oh, no, no, you don't have to be born again. You just have to believe. That wouldn't make any sense for Jesus to, to change what he's already said. Okay? So there's no contradiction here. And in fact, what we're going to see in the very next passage is how you link these two together. All right? Verse 16 said, believe. Verse 5 said, be born of water and spirit. So how do we bring those two together? We're going to let the Bible do that. Turn just a couple of pages to John chapter 7. All right? Just a couple pages in your Bible now. When I say a couple pages, I'm not talking about in your study guide. In your Bible, turn just a couple pages in your Bible to John chapter 7. And we're going to read verses 38 and 39. Now listen to what Jesus says here. John chapter 7, verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And so here we discover that if we believe on him, we will receive the Spirit. Do you see that? So there's a connection. It's not two separate things. When Jesus said in John 3, 16, believe, he didn't mean just do something with your mind. But he comes along and clarifies in chapter 7, you've got to believe as the scripture tells you to believe. And if you do that, you're going to receive an experience called the Spirit of God. So we find that scriptural belief is more than just a change in the way you think. It also results in a scriptural experience. You see, faith motivates us to obey and obedience brings God's acceptance and blessing upon us. All right. Now, let's turn just a few more chapters in your Bible here to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, and we're going to read a few verses of Scripture, beginning with verse 35. Amen. You got that last blank with spirit. They that believe on him will receive his spirit. John 12, verses 35 and 36. John 12 and 35. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While you have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed, and did hide himself from them. Now let's skip down to verse 42. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. Now notice this. They believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. 
And so your study guide points out, today, just as in Jesus' day, many believe on him. But they will not confess him for fear of what others might do or say. Can I tell you tonight, it's not enough that you believe in your mind. But you've got to take action and do what you believe. All right, let's read on, verses 44 to 48. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Now pay attention to verse 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And so this last blank here on this page in response to their fearfulness Jesus warns that his word will judge us and that's that last blank his word will judge us so we must be careful not to reject the word of God rather we need to believe his word we need to obey his word no matter what anybody else says or does look let, let me encourage you right now don't worry about the way somebody else believes. Maybe someone you love. Let's not even think about that right now. Let's just do what the Bible says. Your obligation is not to worry about someone else. Your obligation is to worry about you. To make sure you have obeyed what you see in the scripture. All right? The top of page 7 here uh, tells us now we're going over to John chapter 17. Again, just a few chapters from where we were. John chapter 17 as we work our way on through. John chapter 17. We're going to read verses 17 through 20. And in this prayer, Jesus is praying for his 12 disciples. This is on the night of his betrayal. And he knows his life is about to to come to an end and he's praying a prayer and here's what he says in John 17 verses 17 through 20 sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth as thou hast sent me into the world even so have I also sent them into the world now now the word them he's talking about his apostles his disciples all right he said I Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. And then verse 20 says, Neither pray I for these alone. I'm not just praying for the twelve. He said, But for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Okay, so, so let's look again at your study guide. Top of page 7. In Jesus' prayer for his disciples, just before his crucifixion, he said God's word is truth. Truth. That's the blank here at the top of the page. Now, let me just, let me, let me tell you something. 
and, and I want you to hear me. This is very important that you get this. Because I have people ask me all the time, well, you know, different churches teach different things. How do I know what is true? Well, Jesus just gave us the answer, didn't he? He didn't say find such and such a church because they tell the truth. He didn't say go look up a preacher by the name of so-and-so because he's going to tell you the truth. Jesus said, here's how we know what the truth is. This is how we know. We, we got to compare it to this. So I don't care who the preacher is or what the church is called. That's not the issue. The issue is what does the Bible say? That's the issue. Because the word of God is true. All right? Now, what I love about this passage is, is do you know, and, and you might want to you might want to circle this in your Bible, because this verse, verse 20, Jesus prayed for you. Do you know that? Did you know right here in the Bible, Jesus is praying a prayer for you? It's recorded. He prayed a prayer for you. Because he said, I'm not just praying for my apostles, but I'm praying for everybody that's going to believe on me through what the apostles tell them. And that's the way we come to believe on him, is through obedience to what the apostles said. Now, you know what that tells me? That tells me that we've got to find out what the apostles' message was going to be. What their message was. What did they tell people to do? Well, Print it on your study guide here so that you don't have to try to flip back through your Bible and find it. But printed on your study guide is a portion of Scripture. This comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 45 through 49. Luke 24, verses 45 to 49. This is just after the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection, just before he ascends into heaven. And here's what he says, all right? Then opened he their understanding. That is the understanding of his apostles. So, so, so get this. First of all, the apostles are not going to make a mistake. They're not going to get it wrong because Jesus himself opened their understanding. So if anybody understood what was right, these men did. You see that? They understood, if anybody understood what Jesus wanted, these men did because Jesus opened their understanding. All right, now, he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be doing the power from on high. Now, please note, there are some things that are in bold print in your study guide. The reason these are in bold print is because these are the things Jesus specifically commanded his apostles to preach. Okay? This is his direct command to them. And, and, and as I said, this is right before he ascends into heaven. So, I mean, this is it. This is like parting advice. Last words. I'm going to be gone. It's your job from this point forward. So here's what I want you to preach. And do you see what he told them to preach? Let's look at the bold part again. He told them to preach repentance. Can you say that? Repentance. 
That's important. This is what Jesus commanded they preach, repentance. He, he told them to preach remission of sins in his name. Can you say that? Remission of sins in his name. Okay? He uh, told them they'd be witnesses of these things, and he told them to preach the promise of the Father. Can you say the promise of the Father? So, so there's three things that he specifically commanded that they preach. Preach repentance, preach remission of sins in his name, and preach the promise of the Father. Now there's some questions here, and, and they're left blank for you to just really, it's for you to think about, not so much write an answer there, but just think about this. Did the apostles preach the message Jesus commanded them to proclaim? Or did they just go out and preach something that they came up with on their own? Well, we're going to find out whether they obeyed Jesus or not, okay? We're going we're gonna to find that out in the Bible, all right? And then the second thing we need to ask, one of the things Jesus told them to preach was the promise of the Father. Well, what does that mean? What was the promise of the Father? And how was that promise fulfilled? Well, we're going to get those answers as we continue our journey into the Word of God by seeing what was preached and what happened at Jerusalem, which is where he told them to go. Page 8 in your study guide. We are now finished with the book of John, and if you've got your Bible open, when you see the last chapter of John, the very next book of the Bible is the Acts of the Apostles. Okay? So we're just kind of going in order here. We're now into the book of the Acts of the Apostles. All right, Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 is what we're going to read next. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. I'm sorry, this is verse 1. Skip down to verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Oh, that was one of the questions we had, wasn't it? What is the promise of the Father? Well, Jesus is talking about that here. Wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. So as we get into the book of Acts, we discover almost immediately that the promise of the Father is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that's the two blanks there at the top of page 8. Holy Ghost. That's the promise of the house of the Father. So, 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 Jesus told his disciples, preach repentance, preach the position of sins in his name, and the promise of the Father. And we see the promise of the Father is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. All right? Now, we're going to go now to chapter 2, the book of Acts, chapter 2. And we'll begin with verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. 
And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt, the parts of Libya about Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So let's look again at your study guide. When the apostles were at Jerusalem, they, along with many others, were joyously filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Tongues. That's the next blank on your page there. Tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. That word utterance simply means the inspiration or the ability to speak. They didn't know this. Nobody was teaching them these words. The Spirit of God miraculously put the words there for them to speak. And so the amazed onlookers from many nations heard them speaking in tongues and asked, what does all this mean? And so Peter explained the promised coming of the Spirit and went on to preach Christ and to preach to them the original apostolic plan of salvation. And by the word apostolic, we're not talking about a church group or denomination. That word simply means of the apostles. This is the plan of salvation preached by the apostles, all right? So, so Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 39. Now, let's, let's look at this. Acts 2, verses 36 to 39. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? This is a clear question. Tell us how to be saved. Verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, now let's think about this for a minute, all right? Think with me here. What three things did Jesus command his apostles to preach? Do you remember? Repentance. Can you say that? Repentance. Remission of sins in Jesus' name. Can you say that? And the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Ghost. Can you say that? The promise of the Father, which is the Holy Ghost. What did Peter preach in Acts 2.38? Look at it. He said, repent. He said, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Did he preach remission of sins in Jesus' name? He sure did through the act of baptism, didn't he? 
And then he said, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the promise of the Father. The three things Jesus commanded that they preach are the three things Peter stood up and preached that day. Now, can I tell you, remember when we talked about John chapter 3, being born again? Jesus explained being born again as involving two things. Do you remember that? He said, you must be born of water and of spirit. Do you see those two things mentioned in Acts 2.38? Do you see how Acts 2.38 also ties right in with John 3 and 5? Jesus said you've got to be born of water and born of the spirit. Acts 2.38 said you've got to be born of water or you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. You've got to be born of the spirit or you've got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so it is so beautiful that there's no contradiction in the Bible. And the plan of salvation has been the same all along. No change. This is what you've got to do. Let's look at some other examples of people who are born again. Water and spirit, as the word that Jesus gave his apostles, continues to be preached throughout the book of Acts. All right? Now, Acts chapter 8. Again, we're just turning a couple of chapters. Still in the same book, Acts chapter 8. Um... Verses 5 through 8, Acts 8, verses 5 through 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Let's talk about something here. Look, look at your study guide for a minute. Top of page 9. Some people say that when they experienced joy or when they believed or when they were baptized, they were automatically saved or automatically filled with the Spirit. Right? I've had people tell me, oh, I know the night I was filled with the Spirit because I felt joy in my heart. Or I know the night I was filled with the Spirit because I got baptized. Or I know the night I was filled with the Spirit because... Whatever, I believed in Jesus. But look at what we've just read. First of all, the Bible said that they believed. Did it not? They believed. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, preached Christ on them. Verse 5, verse 6 says, The people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. They gave heed. They believed. All right, what else happened? Verse 8, there was great joy in that city. So this is the first question on your study guide here. Did they have great joy? The answer is yes, they did. All right, let's skip down to verse 12. But when they believed, there it is again, when they believed, Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. All right, now, the next question on your study guide, did they believe in Jesus Christ? Did they? Yeah, the Bible says they did. They believed. All right, let's go on. Verses 14 to 17. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. 
All right? The first question is, were they baptized in Jesus' name? Do you see where it says they were? Verse 16, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. All right? But now look at this. Did they receive the Holy Ghost as a separate experience? Do you understand what the question is asking? Some people say, the minute I was baptized, that means I received the Spirit. But what we see in verse 16, they were baptized, but they didn't receive the Spirit until verse 17 when Peter and John laid hands on them. So did they receive the, the Holy Ghost as a separate experience from believing, as a separate experience from being baptized? The answer to that is yes, they did. Just because you believe does not mean you automatically have the Spirit. These people believe, but they didn't have it. Just because you've already been baptized doesn't mean you have the Spirit. These people had been baptized, but they didn't have the Spirit. All right? All right, let's go on. We're going to go over now to chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Peter is preaching now to the Gentiles. Now, before we start reading this, let's think about something. There are people who say, well, I've got a religion. I've got a church. I belong to such and such church. That's enough. There are other people who say, well, the only ones that ever spoke in tongues were those on the day of Pentecost, just the 12, nobody else. Let's, let's go back to what we said in the beginning. What is our only source of truth? The Word, the Bible. That's, that's it. So if the Bible says, you being religious, you having a church, that's good enough, then we can accept that. If the Bible says nobody spoke in tongues after the day of Pentecost, then we can accept that. But we've got to see what the Bible says. Agreed? We've got to find out what the Bible says. So let's start reading Acts chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. A devout man, one that feared God with all his house, gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So the first question it asks is, was Cornelius a religious man? I think that's pretty safe to say he was. He prayed always. He gave big offerings. He feared God with all of his house. He was religious. The answer to that is yes. Let's read on, verse 5. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now, look at the next question. Did God have more for Cornelius to do? Yes, he did. Just being religious wasn't enough, was it? Just because he was a religious man, just because he prayed, just because he had a religion, that wasn't enough. The angel told Cornelius, you got to go find Peter and let him tell you what you need to do. Okay. Now, let's skip down to verse 44 of this chapter, down towards the end of the chapter. We're going to read verses 44 through 46. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The next question on your study guide, 
did they receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues after the day of Pentecost? Absolutely they did. They sure did. Cornelius and his household spoke in tongues. So those that tell you it was only for the 12, it was only those on the day of Pentecost, we've already seen that's not true. The Bible shows Cornelius and his household speaking in tongues. Now, they spoke in tongues. We didn't finish that verse. Uh, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he, now look at what the Bible says, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So this is the last question here on page 9. Did they still have to be baptized in Jesus' name? The answer to that is yes. Now, do you understand what we just saw? This was a religious man. This was a praying man. This was a giving man. But he still had to receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. And he had to be baptized in Jesus' name. His religion, his prayer was not enough to save him. Okay? Now, we go to Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 19, here is the, the apostle Paul, and he's preaching now to John's disciples. Now, let's talk about some things again before we actually look at, um, at the verses of Scripture. There are many people who today will tell me, I'm a believer. I've talked to a lot of people. I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. I believe in him but they've never heard about the Holy Ghost that's been promised to them. And we're going to see that very same thing in the Bible. Now, something else I want you to think about. There are people who say it's not necessary to be baptized, or, well, I got baptized as a child, or I was baptized a few years ago, so there's no reason for me to ever get baptized again. Well, again, we've got to find out what the Bible says. Let me ask you a question. If John the Baptist were alive today and baptized you, would you feel pretty good about your baptism? Wouldn't you think you probably, you, you got it made? I mean, John the Baptist, Jesus said there's nobody ever born of woman greater than John the Baptist. So, I mean, if John the Baptist is the one who baptized you, wouldn't you feel pretty good about your baptism? I think I would. But, we're going to see what the Bible says about those that were baptized by John. Others say, well, it doesn't matter what's said when you get baptized. That's not an issue. Well, again, if the Bible indicates it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. But if the Bible indicates that something is important, we need to set up and take notice to what the Bible says. All right, Acts 19, verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Now these were believers, right? They were, the Bible says they were disciples. Paul said they believed. Paul acknowledged that they believed. But the question on your study guide is, even though they were believers, had they heard of or received the Holy Ghost? 
The answer is no. Even though they were believers, they'd never received the Holy Ghost. Do you know what that tells me? You might be a believer, but that doesn't mean you've got the Holy Ghost. These people were believers, but they didn't have it. Okay, let's read on verses 3 through 5. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Oh, these people were baptized by John the Baptist. Look at what he said. Verse 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. The next question on your study guide asks you, did those baptized by John the Baptist have to be rebaptized this time in Jesus' name? The answer to that question is yes, they did. Do you know what that tells me? Just because you've been baptized before doesn't mean it was done right. Even if it was a good man, even if he was a great preacher, John the Baptist was. But these people had to be baptized again because it wasn't done in Jesus' name. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Now, let's go on. Verse 6. Now, in verse 5, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And so the next question, was receiving the Holy Ghost accompanied by the initial evidence of speaking with other tongues? And the answer is yes. When they received the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues as a sign that they had received it. The sign has been consistent. So let's, let's talk about what we've seen so far. What we've learned as we've gone through the book of Acts is that the, the, the apostles preached the following salvation message. They preached the life of Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. They preached repentance toward God and belief in Jesus Christ as Savior. They preached baptism in water by immersion in Jesus' name. They preached receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, which was accompanied by the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's what the apostles preached. And Jesus said the way we believe on him is through their words. That's what we've got to do if we want to be saved. Now, as we, as we come down to a close, let's read what the apostles had to say about the message of salvation that they proclaimed in the book of Acts. And we do this by reading the epistles or the letters that they wrote to their converts. All right, now all these verses are printed for you in your study guide. So you don't even have to flip the pages in your Bible. They're all printed right here. As we read the epistles, this is page 11 now. Uh, as we read the epistles, we will notice how strongly the apostles felt about the gospel or good news of salvation. It's not because they're being judgmental. It's because they knew the word Jesus had given them to proclaim is what is going to judge all men. So listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 22 through 25. He said, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. How do we make our souls pure? Through obeying the truth. He says, being born again. This is what obeying the truth is. 
by the word of God. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. It is obedience to God's word, to the gospel that purifies our soul. All right? Now, let me tell you, these next two verses to me are very beautiful. I love this in the Bible. Because here's what we have. We have Peter in one city at one time writing a letter. And in this letter, he asks a question. Paul is in another city at another time, does not know Peter has asked the question, but he writes a letter and answers Peter's question. Now that has to be God. Only God could do that. Let me show you. Peter asked in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So here's his question. What's going to happen to people who don't obey the gospel? Well, Paul gives the answer to that, not knowing Peter had asked the question. We read this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Paul's answer is, the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So Peter said, what's going to happen if you don't obey the gospel? Paul said, I'll tell you what will happen. If you don't obey the gospel, you're going to be judged with everlasting destruction. It is eternally important, eternally important that we obey the gospel. Let's look at another passage here written by the Apostle Paul. In, in Galatians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, Paul says, But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Do you see what Paul said? Paul said there's only one gospel. It's not about find a church that you agree with. It's about do what the apostles told us to do. There's only one message. And Paul said, if they're not preaching the same message we preached, they're cursed by God. You've got to preach exactly what the apostles preached. This is how we know if it's true. Amen. One, one final passage here uh, at, at the top of page 12 on your study guide. What did James say? James said in James 1, verses 21 to 24, Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's likened to a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. The word is able to save our souls only if we obey it. You know, James tells us that if we see something we need to do as we look into the mirror of the Bible, we need to do it. You've heard some things tonight as I've taken you through this Bible study. You've heard me go through the things the apostles preached. 
You've seen it in the scripture. Now it's time for you to consider what are you going to do with what you've heard. So the conclusion here on page 13, these are questions for you to answer. There's no place for you to write your answer because it's not important what you write. It's important how you feel. It's important what you believe. It's important that you be able to answer this question in sincerity and honesty before God. And so I'm asking tonight for a verbal response from you, not a written one. Do you believe the word of God is true and will judge us? Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior? Do you believe it is necessary to repent by determining to turn from sin and giving your life to God? Do you believe water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is the biblical way to be baptized? And finally, do you believe the baptism of the Holy Ghost is for you today? And when you receive it, you'll speak in other tongues just as they did in the Bible? Well, if you believe these things, you need to pray and ask God to allow you to experience everything that he has for you. Can we pray together right now? Lord, in Jesus' name. I thank you for the truths that we have uncovered in your word. For, Lord, there's a consistency that we've seen. From the very beginning when we started in John chapter 1, we've just walked through the light tonight. And you've shown us what is required. You've shown us what you told your apostles to preach. And you've shown us that that's exactly what they did preach. And you've also shown us that's what we must now obey. Lord, that we've got to repent of our sins. That we've got to be baptized in your name and that we've got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues. And Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice right now that if they've not experienced any of these things, that they would have the grace to receive it. Open their understanding and open their hearts. I pray you'd grant it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, because we're not sitting around a dining room table tonight, but we're here in this sanctuary, I'm getting ready to open these altars and give you a chance. If you've seen this in the Word of God, don't be a hearer, but be a doer. Let God give you what you've seen in the Scripture tonight. The only other thing I want to tell you before I bring you up here is if you look at page 14, there are some supplemental Scriptures for you to study and, and you may have noticed as we were reading through some of the scriptures, there'd be a little parenthetical number there, uh, number one in parentheses. It's a chain link for you to go back and forth as you restudy. You just flip over to page 14, and there are scriptures there that will show you further what we've discussed. And all of that is for you to take home and study through these things. But I want us to come tonight. I want someone to come to the music, and, and, and I'm going to give you an opportunity if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, you don't want to leave this place without it tonight. God wants you to be a doer and not just a hearer. Amen. Let's stand tonight.
Help me pray, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there anyone?